there are a lot of ways to think about the differences between people, the differences between you and the people that you're in close relationship with. Uh, but one of them that has come up over and over again in the context of my marriage has been the difference between people who are hyper-vigilant to prepare for the worst-case scenario and people who are, let's say, optimistic that what will actually happen is the most likely scenario and therefore everything's going to be okay. Anyway, the difference between people who think that the worst is going to happen and people who are trusting that the best is likely to happen. And my wife and I fall on different sides of that divide um, where she would most often anticipate the worst possible outcome in order to prepare for it. And I would sort of go with the laissez-faire approach that everything's probably going to be fine, so what's the big deal? What's interesting to me are the moments where we actually end up on the same side of things. For example, when it comes to parenting, we both tend to let our kids be risk-takers and adventurous, even if they might get hurt in the process, which is surprising for her, especially since she works in healthcare. And in this present moment, it's been interesting to notice that we both fall on the other side of the divide, that even though I am usually optimistic that everything will be fine, I have found myself tending towards, with her, anxiously preparing for the worst case scenarios when it comes to COVID-19. These are days where even the most optimistic among us can find ourselves being prone to anxiety. So much so that um, a month ago, we spent a whole morning just talking about that fear of uncertainty about the future. You know, what happens if I get sick? What will happen to our finances? Will there be a second wave? You know, all of these kinds of questions. And we talked at length about focusing on the things that we can control instead of the things that we can't control, about living with radical acceptance um, that just acknowledges that it lives life on life's terms. This is the hand I was dealt. How can I live within it in community, in a spirit of gratitude and hope? Um, and so we have spent some time talking about that, and you can go back and watch that talk. I don't think we need to dwell on it at length because those who are already prone to being anxious don't need to have all of that brought up. And those who don't prone to being anxious don't need to be talked into it. And those of us who are clinically anxious, you just need to know that we pray for you, we hear you, we know these days are hard, and that this sermon is not going to be a solution for you. We pray that you are also getting wisdom from doctors and medications. Um, but for those of us for whom the anxiety is less than clinical. In this Working Out Our Faith series, the question for us is, is there a way in response to anxiety for us to be formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others? Is there a way for us in the verse, the language of the verse we've been using to train ourselves for godly living? Is there a way for us to train ourselves for godly living even in the face of anxiety of moments like this. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about uh, Psalm chapter 56 and imagining that the psalmist would want to tell us that yes, it is possible for us to train ourselves for godly living even in the face 
of anxiety. It says in verse 1 of Psalm 56, Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. The psalmist is writing about circumstances that are very real and very present where his seemingly his physical uh, wellness and his future are all in danger in the moment. And he's talking to God very honestly about his circumstances. But in verse 3, this is how he responds. He says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. O God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? He says, this is in the midst of my circumstances, such as they are, this is my response. When I'm afraid, I'm going to lean into trusting God because when I trust God, I am not afraid. Now, I don't think what he means to say is that if he can just believe hard enough, all the fear goes away. I imagine that being afraid and not trusting and trusting and not being afraid, all of those experiences live simultaneously in the psalmist's soul. But what the psalmist acknowledges is that to the degree that he can learn to lean into trust, he will learn to not be afraid. And it's not because his circumstances change. He talks about these people who are chasing him. When he leans into trust and is not afraid, his conclusion is, ah, what can people do to me anyway? If God is with me in the midst of this, then I know that regardless of what happens, I will be okay. The psalmist says that the way to deal with anxiety in our present circumstances is to lean into trust. And how do we do that? Hundreds of years later, in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes this, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, regardless of your circumstances, literally what he writes is, stop being anxious about anything. There is no need for anxiety to dominate your life or my life if, he says, in everything, in every circumstance, we pray. We present our requests to God. We acknowledge before God um, our need and our dependence. We tell God what's going on and what we need. That's exactly actually what the psalmist was doing. The psalmist wasn't just suggesting that it's possible to lean into trust in the face of fear. The psalmist was modeling how to do that through a prayer. Prayer is the way that we respond to anxiety and lean into trust. And when we do, when we lean into that trust, what does the Apostle Paul say? He says, and the peace of God, that sense of well-being, that wholeness, that wellness mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, spiritually, a wellness will fill and flood your heart. The peace of of God will fill and flood your thoughts and your mind and your heart and your soul. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it will guard your heart. That peace 
that transcends understanding, that is greater than anything we could have imagined, that's greater than anything we can produce with our own mental energy, the peace that comes from God that overwhelms everything will protect our thoughts and our minds and our hearts, will protect our inner world and keep our hearts safe. That's what the exercise, the spiritual exercise of prayer can do. It can train us in the midst of anxiety to lean into God in trust. Which seems to me then that it is worth it for us to learn the discipline of prayer. And it is something that we have to learn. Sadly for you, this is one of those mornings where those who can't do teach, where I am somebody who has struggled over the course of my life to learn how to pray well in some ways. In fact, I saw a funny tweet the other day. A guy was, it was like he was writing lines on the blackboard and he wrote, I will not substitute theological study for a prayer life. I will not substitute theological study for a prayer life. I will, and so on. And honestly, I felt seen. I felt exposed by the tweet. That is me. I prefer to live up here than to live out of here. But I think this morning we can begin a journey of learning how to pray. Um, In fact, it says in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. I'm encouraged by the verse because it seems that even Jesus acknowledges that prayer is something we need to learn, something we talked about this two weeks ago, that being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others is a process, even a lifelong process. And so if you're frustrated by your inability to pray well, or so you think, or you feel guilty about not being able to pray well, know that you are in good company and know that we're all on a journey of learning this. But what is it that we're learning to? What is prayer? Prayer This would be my active definition of prayer. Prayer is the active dynamic of living in a relationship with God. For everything that's included in that, prayer is the active dynamic of living in a relationship with God. Now, at the center, of course, of every relationship is conversation. Um, And so when Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, present your request to God, that is the the, the centerpiece of the conversation is, us talking to God and saying, God, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm facing. This is what I'm feeling and experiencing. God, this is what I need right now. One of the writers I was reading this week said that in the journey of learning how to pray, the talking part is usually the part we learn first. We learn how to articulate what we need to God. But then he said, as we grow in prayer, what we begin to realize is that all conversation is a two-way street. That we have to learn to listen as well as we learn to speak. We're going to talk more about this next week, but prayer is also the art, not just of telling God what you need, but it's the art of learning how to listen. I mean, God, to me, never sounds like an audible voice, but I get a sense in my spirit that God is trying to say something to me, whether through the words of the Bible or through the words of another person or through something I've heard, the words of a song, an experience I've had out in creation, 
even just a, a vision I get in my imagination or a sense I get in my soul that God is trying to communicate something to me. We have to be learned to be quiet and to listen. And of course, talk to others about it and check with the scriptures because we don't always get it right. But, but at the heart of every relationship is talking and listening. It's intentional conversation. But that's not the whole relationship. Krista and I set aside time to talk over breakfast or on date nights or whatever. But we do most of our talking on the go. As we go through life together, we talk about what we just experienced or the people that we just came across or what we're feeling or what we've been thinking about or what we've just heard or what we're learning. It's the conversation that happens in the flow of life. And prayer is like that too. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, pray continually. Don't just set aside times for conversation, but keep the conversation going. When my kids were little, whenever we heard sirens while we were driving around, we would, we would train ourselves to pray for the people who were in trouble. Um, I remember pastor theologian Greg Boyd saying whenever he encountered somebody, he tried to discipline himself to pray a prayer of blessing for that person. There's this ongoing conversation with God throughout the day. But even deeper than that, praying continually means living in a posture of attentive awareness of the presence of God, realizing as Paul says in Philippians, the Lord is near, realizing that God is with me in everything that I experience every moment of the day, learning to be open to the presence of God, learning to see the world through God's eyes, learning to feel with God's heart towards the people and situations that I'm encountering, learning to listen for God's voice all of the time. It's just living life in the presence of God. Prayer is the active dynamic of living in a relationship with God all of the time. It's what we need to learn. So how do we learn to pray, especially in the face of our anxiety, to present a request to God? I would say first, prayer has a structured component and a spontaneous component. The structured component, sometimes to learn to pray, it's helpful to structure our words. The disciples said, teach us to pray to Jesus. And what Jesus did in response is he gave them the Lord's Prayer. He said, okay, pray these words. Sometimes when we don't know how to talk to God or when we don't know what to say, praying somebody else's words with our whole heart is an easy way to learn to do that. Now, if you're Catholic, maybe that comes a little more naturally because you grew up doing that in church. If you grew up in a church like ours, you also grew up doing that just always to music. Whenever we sing these songs, we are singing songs that are prayers that somebody else wrote and we're singing them with our whole heart. We're owning those prayers for ourselves. The disciples would have, that would have been natural for them. They would have been growing up uh, learning to pray the Psalms. The Psalms were the prayer book of Israel. And so they would have known the words of some of the Psalms that we've been reading over the course of the last week and using them as prayers to God. I've often said to friends, you should pray this song, I think it articulates something important about what you're going through right now. There's a prayer that I use called the Jesus Prayer. It's just one sentence. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a sentence you can pray all the way through the day that reminds you that Jesus is near and who Jesus is. And it reminds you of who you and I are and how much we need mercy and that God has shown us mercy and 
encourages us to show others mercy. It's a way of adopting a posture that we can carry with us throughout the whole day. Sometimes using the words of others is a helpful way to learn to pray. Sometimes having structured times. Jesus gave the disciples the Lord's Prayer in the earliest decades of the church's history. They were encouraged to pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day, every morning when they get up, every noon at lunch, every evening before they go to bed. It was a way of wrapping their whole day in this prayer that Jesus taught. A couple weeks ago, Mandy asked the question, when is your best time? Is it when you get up? Is it when you go to bed? Is it in the middle of the day? What are the best minutes you can give to God for the conversation that is prayer? Sometimes structuring can mean using different kinds of aids. I have prayed using prayer books. as a Catholic prayer book. I have prayed using prayer beads. I carry these with me almost everywhere I go. One bead for every recitation of the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, all day long around the beads. You can pray using a journal, writing out your prayers. You can pray um, using art, allowing art to inspire the prayer or making art as a prayer. There are ways to structure, to use tools to structure your prayer life. But at, at its heart, prayer is also meant to be spontaneous. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The fundamental posture of our relationship to God is the posture of little children in relationship with their heavenly parent. We're to live with God as children live with their parents when that relationship is going well and filled with love and the way it's supposed to be. We do what children do. We talk nonstop with our heavenly parent about asking God for things, telling God what we're experiencing, telling God what we're feeling, telling God what we're thinking, what we're noticing, um, asking God questions, um, asking God to help us discern decisions that we're making, just having all the conversations that kids have with their parents, talking to God all the way through the day to help you get through your day and waiting for God to respond as only a parent could. We've been hearing some interesting stories in our community these days about people who are crying out to God in prayer in a variety of ways, about big things and even about small things, and experiencing the presence of God responding to their prayers in the midst of these circumstances. And recently, a guy by the name of Sean Reimer sent us a video of a story of what he experienced. And I want you to hear Sean's story of just one child of God crying out to their heavenly parent. Take a look at this. Hey everybody, Sean Reimer here. I just want to tell you a story about what's going on right now. In the background you can see my printer running. And um, I'll show you what it's printing. It's printing this um, banner. That's going to go on the QEW to bring hope and encouragement to people driving by as we navigate this whole craziness of COVID-19. Um, 
this is something that's been a pretty cool story from the start. I put a uh, request out on Facebook to see if someone would be able to donate a tractor trailer within two minutes of posting. Um, a very generous guy posted that he was willing to donate a trailer to the cause. And so he brought it down. We had a local farmer uh, volunteer his time to drag the trailer out through to the back of the property out to the QW. And so it sits there waiting now for um, the banners to be installed. It's now Easter Saturday and was really hoping to get this installed for Easter Sunday tomorrow. Um, and so I came down to the shop and was um, ready to hit print and my printer threw an error and it said the ink is expired and you can't use it and I don't have another ink cartridge and so I was about to, ready to call it in and give up on the Easter dream weekend. Um, so told my wife I was uh, gonna come home and she said I'd be prayed. I'd be prayed about the printer and I said uh, actually no I haven't I just you know I'm just getting frustrated and I was just gonna give up on this thing and she said well why don't you pray so I went over to the um, to the printer and you can see right here is this um, I'll show you this ink cartridge here that uh, see these little cartridges these little uh, tags right down here it's called an RFID tag and it tells the printer how old the ink is and so I put my hand on the tag and I prayed and I went over to the computer and it started printing. I'm going to show you a picture of the screen right now and I'm going to read to what, it's, what it says to you. So you can see right there, it says the ink system has been disabled due to the problems indicated in the table above. So you can see there that it's expired. And up here, this shows that the ink system is not working. Now, this is the printer that, this computer that controls this printer that is running while the computer says it cannot run. I don't know what to tell you, except that God can work miracles with technology, that God wants people to know that He will fill them with joy and peace as they trust in Him. He is good and powerful and doesn't care what your computer says. Praise God. That's Sean crawling into the lap of his heavenly parent, talking to God about 
the things that were going on in his life and experiencing that the Lord is near, that God was with him in the midst of those circumstances. Because at its base, base, baseline, what God wants from us is to crawl into God's lap and to live in the safety and the love and the intimacy and the closeness of knowing that God is near and being attentive to the presence of the heavenly parent that loves us. Even and especially in moments like these when our hearts are tempted towards anxiety. God is inviting us in the midst of the anxiety to lean into trust by coming to God in prayer. And that's what I want to give all of us the opportunity to do right in these moments. Instead of immediately closing in prayer as I normally would on a Sunday morning, I am going to leave a space for you to bring your prayers to God. In the quiet, you can pray in your heart or your mind. You can pray out loud if that's appropriate for where you are. But without any structure, in the spontaneity, imagine yourself as a little child crawling into the lap of God, begging for the safety and closeness of the loving heavenly parent that God is. I want you to talk to God about what's going on in your heart, about what you think and what you feel and what you're experiencing and what you need from God these days. And after giving you just a minute to pray those prayers on your own before God, I will close with a prayer that somebody sent me this week that I think captures this moment perfectly. So bow your heads and close your eyes and take just a minute to pour out the heart of you as God's child into the ear of your loving heavenly parent. Let's pray. Circle me, O God. Keep hope within, despair without. Circle me, O God. Keep peace within, keep turmoil out. Circle me, O God. Keep calm within, and storms without. Circle me, O God. Keep strength within, keep weakness out. The mighty three, my protection be, encircling me, 
You are around my life, my home, encircling me, O sacred three. Amen.